Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Got yourself a smart speaker? Alexa. It's your new radio. Play WTIC News Talk 1080. Listen to WTIC News Talk 1080 on Alexa. WTIC, we're talking about how to save mankind. Can it be done? Dave and Stafford. Hey, Dave. Hey, Todd. Hey, only a Republican would say I'm not going to vote based on one issue. Because if you ever notice, the Democrats, the one thing that they do that's very effective is they all stick together. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. What They will go in there and hit the D regardless. Republicans are... Well, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't make sense on one issue, so I'm not going to vote. I mean, did we all forget when Ned Lamont took office, what's the first thing he did? He tried to get 82 toll gantries placed. After having campaigned on not doing tolls. What's that? Yeah. After having campaigned said, against them. He said, I think it was the debate, which, by the way, I can't find that Stefanowski-Lamont debate anywhere on YouTube. I've been looking for it for days. But he said prior to him supposedly winning that he wasn't going to do tolls. What's the first thing he did? He raced out there and paid that company how much money? Millions of dollars to go and do this study. So that's number one. He's paying these people off. Then we were supposed to deal with 82 toll gantries. How many weeks were we months talking about this on the air? Oh, it was a full year that he was pushing it. Yeah, and if it wasn't for you and a lot of people in this audience, there'd be 82 toll gantries in the state of Connecticut. And you have to assume that with his reelection, if that happens, he would be uh, running hard for those uh, gantries once again because he would feel all the more empowered. Thank you for the call, sir. 860-522-9842. Let's see about that ride. The BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, Mark Christopher, watching the roads. Mark. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC. Appreciate y'all being here. Lucille. Love that name. What's going on, Lucille? Well, I'm kind of new to your show, and I don't know if this topic may have been discussed, but I'm curious um, if people are aware that the Democrats passed, they did away with the religious exemption 
for parents concerning their school children. Has that been brought up at all? That that happened, yes. And, I mean, not lately. Oh, and the other thing, nobody seems to be out uh, uh, screaming that that governor, the king, made people put that experimental shot in their body or lose their jobs. Why, why aren't people screaming about that? I think it's probably something that was in the shot. <laughs> I think so, too. I think they put something addictive in it, and people want more and more of it. <laughs> no, I think it's more the other direction. It just um, numbs. Oh. Everybody know. seems numb to me. I know. I know. People just don't seem to be outraged about anything. No, I don't. They lack the fortitude to get outraged. Oh. I, it's so frustrating. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. People should be screaming that they're religious, um, that they're fooling around with religion. It's, they should have nothing to do with religion. And where but, are where are people's just uh, sense of fight? You know, like, like know. And, and instinct. Ned is Ned is such a pathetic creature. The idea that everybody doesn't smell the stench when he walks by, I don't get it. I don't either. I don't either. I just, I, I, I just don't know. I'm at my wit's end. <laughs> well, hang on to your wits because we're going to need them, Lucille. But thank you for the call. 860-522-WTIC. We'll take more phone calls in a few minutes. But Michael Lebowitz is here. Hey, Lebo. Hey, Todd. You're just talking about Ned, and that's exactly what I want to talk about. Little, uh, little intuitive segue there. What do you want? To, why are you thinking about? Why are you wanting to talk about the jolly one? Well, I listen to you know his commercials, and they're just so stupid. I mean, this idea that he's this wonderkind who is a business genius who magically turned the state around with all his business acumen. I mean, it's just appalling. And there's this, you know, we could talk about his lies and his commercials, the lies he's told about Stefanowski Todd, but most people that listen to your show already know all that. They, they know he's a fool. So I would just like to talk about my own personal experience with some of the things that he's said. And of course, you know, I've been in prison for 25 years and I was in prison for the COVID protocols and, the, you know, the prison's response to COVID. And I remember watching the press conferences, and Ned would have a commissioner of corrections on, and they would talk about how wonderful the DOC, the Department of Correction, was doing with COVID. Now, there's situations, Todd, where you know you get a you have a hunch that a politician's lying, or you you know you think he probably is. But in this case, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was wrong. So, I mean, while he was out there touting how wonderful they were doing, I saw people going in, you know, having to go to the infirmary. Friends of mine died from COVID in prison. They did an absolutely horrendous job. And it All right, was, what would you say, what's the most glaring example you have of what a bad job they did with COVID? Managing okay, well, the prisons, that is. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be tough. Okay, well. First of all, when it was mandated that they wear masks and they were bragging, you know, they're taking all precautions possible, a good half of the correctional officers in here were not wearing masks. Say what when it was required and when, and when it was yeah. being promised that that was what the protocol was, that everybody was, we're all wearing masks. 
Yes. They also were claiming that they were taking their temperatures, everybody that came into the building. This was true. They had to take their temperatures. But those temperatures were reading in the low 90s because they were taking them outside in the cold. And I asked the deputy warden at that time, you know, what's going on here? She says, well, you know, it's cold outside. And I'm just thinking, okay, but then you know it's a charade. So Mm -hmm. what is the point? Well, the point is so you can tell the public we're taking all the precautions we can. When obviously you're not. Then this is you answering the question, not her. You you didn't get an answer no, no, from her. No, no. Yeah. No, no, no. We don't, we, no, they don't. They don't. They're not honest like that. Todd. And and there were a lot of charades. I remember a lot of charades. I remember. I don't know if it was you or somebody else who I was speaking to in prison, but there was uh, like a sign going up on the on the glass door, right by the phone where where he was talking to me. And the sign was going up saying, nobody allowed down this hall without a mask, and people were just walking back and forth without masks. Like it, It's just one example after another. I also remember at the beginning of COVID, they had people scrubbing the walls. Remember when everybody was afraid of contact with surfaces? No, no, we still do that, Todd. But <laughs> we still do that. With really? Yes. When, How when often? Gets, you know, when they're... No, when there's an outbreak in the jail that we're concerned about. Okay, but what it was happening asking? regularly with COVID. Suppose. Oh, yeah. I forget what the yeah. regularity was, but it was a big thing oh, that they yeah. were scrubbing the walls. But oh, they weren't, you know, they were only yeah. doing it occasionally. Yeah, and one of your favorites, of course, Todd, was the time where it was our night to go to commissary, and they were telling us only, you know, about five people could go at once because we needed to socially distance in the hallway. Yeah. Meanwhile, there were 150 of us, so probably 75 on each side of the tier, lined up within six inches of each other, waiting to go out so we could socially distance. In the waiting hallway. for the at the door, uh, yeah. on the other side of which you would start socially distancing, but while you were on this side of the door, there was no social distancing. Yes. A similar thing happened the first time they mass tested us. We, you know, they had the chairs outside. We're all six feet apart, so we would socially distance. Only a couple guys at a time could go out. The nurses were all decked out in PE. And meanwhile, there were about 20 of us squished into a stairwell like we were sardines waiting to go outside so we could socially distance. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, Titus, you know, people may say, well, you know, it is a prison and Ned doesn't know. Well, first of all, if he doesn't know, he should. And if he doesn't know, he shouldn't make the type of claims that he was making. About well, hang on. You're going way too fast. Going. What this reveals, you can't make excuses like, oh, Ned, you know, Ned doesn't know. The job of the governor and what he would have us believe is that he's governing the state, not that he happens to have a department about which he knows nothing that he takes credit for when something good is in the news. That's not what a governor does. At least that's not what we think a governor does. You're right. But what it it also indicates, what I have extrapolated from this, and I can't find anything to contradict the notion, is that this is an example of everything government does. Government does pretend. They make policies. Yes, they have a manual that will have all the policies written down, all of which nobody follows. And the other part of the not following the policies is that the protocols, there are protocols that the workers in the prison follow, 
They just don't happen to be the ones that are written on the rules, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it, Todd. And, you know, it's funny because the, the idea of them, everything being a charade, I'll give you an, a, another example, is Commissioner Kiros made a statement that the, the positivity rates in prison are comparable to those out in the real world. Okay, the problem with that is that many inmates don't even bother taking the test. So if they're not taking the test, they're not getting a positive result. So you, they're not getting any real authentic result at all. So who knows how many positive results we actually have? There's no way to know. But he can go out there and make you know, a straight face and say, well, you know, our, our, our results are comparable to those in the street. And Ned, as far as him, my, my point was going to be, and I'm sorry for going too fast, was that his, the, the idea that he doesn't know, first of all, I've been on your show for you know years now during the whole COVID thing. Uh, Carlos Rebolo from McDougal, Brent McCall from Cheshire has been on your show. I'm sure he has people that listen to your show and tell what he talked about. Furthermore, I did a story on NBC about how they were doing with COVID in the prison. And a lady accosted him at one of his press conferences about how they were doing in prison. And still he goes out there and talks about what a wonderful job they've done. And my only thing is this, Todd. If this is the one instance where I know beyond the shadow of a doubt he's lying, what else is he lying about? Everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, the I, other part of it is the unique thing about prison is that prison is where government can run things exactly the way it wants without being challenged. There is no way for us to know what goes on the on the other side of the walls. We can't have embedded reporters. We can't have hidden cameras. We have no way of knowing except occasionally when Leibowitz is on the radio. But in general, the world knows nothing about how prisons work. And I would say Jolly Ned is probably at the top of the list, has no interest in how prisons work. As long as they're not threatening his reelection possibilities, then he has no interest that they even exist. Well, maybe they should threaten his uh, reelection possibilities. And I'll tell you something, Todd. I hope he does not win because he seems like a real simpleton to me. But if he does win in four years, I may really consider running against him because, for one thing, I would like to make the prison system an issue, Todd. But mm -hmm. another thing is I would absolutely salivate at the prospect of debating him. I think if I had him on a debate stage, I would absolutely shred him and expose him for the incompetent buffoon that he is. I suspect you could do that quite easily, Michael. I think so, too. But I really do. Uh, my whole point here, Todd, is I really wish that the prison system would be more of an issue in the campaign because it's a, a department that's very integral to what's going on in the state right now. With the crime rate, it, it, what it is, and I don't know if they're cooking the books or, or whatever, but a lot of people are concerned about crime. But people generally only focus on the, the beat cop that's dealing with the, the criminal element. But a big part of crime is the people that are released without being given any skills, without being taught how to live responsible lives, without being rehabilitated. They're sent out back onto the street and then they reoffend and people get scared. Whereas if we'd fix the prison system, 
we'd be able to bring that crime rate down, I believe, substantially. Oh, yes, which they have no interest in doing. Because really, the, the tail that wags the dog here is that all of the employees inside the prison system are union employees. And the bosses they answer to are the union bosses. And the protocols they follow are the union protocols. And the people who manage the prisons all the way up to the governor, maybe not the governor in this case, because this one is is less astute than most governors might be. But they the system has no idea how the system works. They just know that if they try to get the system to do something differently, that the system will pay no attention. So they just go along with the signs that say, no, you can't pass this this line without wearing a mask. They pay no attention to the fact that nobody has a mask on. They pay no attention to the protocols that they put in place. They have no idea the degree to which the rules that they have in their rule book are not followed and that's because the unions run the departments. You have and, one minute left. And ultimately, the unions run the state, not the, not the state, not the people who pay the bills, certainly. That's true. Quick story before they cut me off. A month or so ago, I asked the warden why they continuously send us to the chow hall, because that's where everybody from the prison meets together, and it's the one place you can't wear a mask and can't socially distance. Right. The warden told me, yes, but you have to sit two at a table. I told him, no, you don't. That's not true. He said, well, I'll look into it. A couple of days later, I went to the chow hall, and the CEOs crammed us into the chow hall, made us sit more than two at a table, and I said, I want to sit two at a table. The warden said, we have to. The CEO told me, well, the warden isn't here. All right. In other words, what does he know? But it turns out what he knows is enough not to mess around with something he knows nothing about. Leibowitz, thank you, sir. Nice to talk with you. Hi, who's this? You're on WTIC. Joey, your voice changed. What's up, Mike? How are you? What's on your mind? Oh, I thought, oh, hold on a minute. All right, never mind, Mike. 860-522-9842, rant line number, 860-751-4698. What time is it now? When do we have to do the rants? The rants are coming at 5.30. We have, oh, Jim Watkins is going to be here at 5:10. And Jim Watkins, as you may recall, lives in Florida and he lives near around Fort Myers, the area that was hit the hardest, I think, in the hurricane. And I haven't been able to reach him. Like last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I couldn't make contact. Today he suddenly appears. But he's and he, he does have power in his house, but not because power has been restored. But because he, his son went and found him a generator and the cell service is back on, so he's able to come on. So we're going to talk to, I, and I'm excited about doing it, we're going to talk to Jim Watkins because he's going to fill us in on how it's been. But he also has made a list of things that don't work or things that do work or things that don't work the way they're supposed to. I don't know. He, he's made a great list which he gave me a couple of samples of, but um, he'll fill you in on the context of it at 510. All right? 860-522-9842.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 860-522-9842, Paul in Waterbury. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Paul, did you know, did you hear that Amy Stefanowski was looking for you over the weekend? Amy Amy Stefanowski, is that Bob's wife? Yes. Actually, I, I did talk with a woman on Sunday. It might have been her. I don't know. No, she would have was, said if it was her. She was looking I, I, for I you. She might have said her name was Amy, though. I, I don't. Well, know. that could be then, because she uh, was she was yeah. trying to find you because she heard you on the air. Complaining. No, really. Yes. Oh, wow. And and then she yeah. had everybody do a search. She did a search. Nobody could find your name on any of their <laughs> lists from having called in. So she was going to go by uh, your house because she was going door to door. Really? Uh, no, I did talk with her, and I talked. Well, another. I got a, a call from another fella, and I got to talk. I got to call him later about getting involved in the campaign. So I'm hoping to to jump in there in the last month. Good. You know, I, I I just wanted to mention one thing about. Uh, you had a woman talking about the family and the uh, the degradation of the family in today's society, and I think a lot of that. And I don't want to get too risque here, but. I think a lot of that is the fact that I really believe that physical intimacy belongs only in the bonds of marriage. Now, there's, it's free and easy here in, in, in the U.S. with that, you know, and it has been for years. But I think that really helps to break down the family. And uh, I was listening to something by Todd Starnes. He's a well-known announcer. Uh, I'm not sure where he's from, but um, he was talking about the Parkland shooting, and he was saying what we have in this country are broken kids, broken up, excuse me, broken kids growing up in broken homes, you know, and and that's exactly what's happening, and and marriages are crumbling, and people just don't know what commitment is anymore, and, you know, 
I think it's sad. I, I really think it's well. It is. Sad. It is very sad. The question was, though, how do we get back? How do you turn the, the direction back on that? Well, a lot of it. Again, I, I think the basic morals, and uh, really, I think that the physical intimacy thing. And I'm avoiding yes. No, what I'm you know what I'm wondering is is how you reverse the direction. I understand your point. Thank you, Paul. Andrew in Newington. Hi, Andrew. Uh, hi, Todd. Uh, yeah, uh, pertinent to your uh, discussion about... Uh, Did you move? Uh, sorry? Did you move? Uh, yeah, I'm driving. I'm moving all the time. No, I, I thought you're, you're always, uh, your handle is New Britain, isn't it? Oh, oh, I, I, I mentioned where I'm actually calling from. I, oh, you I do? Okay. Feel- Got it. I don't feel locked into a, a, All right, I got you. a, a specific identity. Uh, yeah, today uh, uh, Kamala uh, Harris uh, prattled on and on. I, I, I don't know if you heard the sound of it. Uh, we're, we're no, but there's out. nothing more delightful than Kamala prattling on and on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it endlessly talked in circles and, and kind of repeated the same message that uh, basically, uh, the, uh, the administration's ambition uh, is to administer hurricane relief uh, between uh, Puerto Rico and Florida um, on, on the basis of identity politics. Uh, they, uh, well, they, yes, they, I they, knew that she was looking to double down on equity and to say that, um, to say that hurricane relief was based on race i heard that thank you andrew eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. the bps lawyers traffic center mark christopher has an update for us hey mark wtic we're joined on mondays at this time by chris powell from the journal Enquirer. Political analyst extraordinaire, and always a pleasure to talk to you, Chris. Welcome back. How do you spell a spell extraordinaire anyway? You don't spell anything anymore. You just type E X T, and the computer does, and the it rest. pops yeah, up. Right. It's beautiful. <laughs> what a world! It's, it's good to be here, Todd. Thank you. So uh, you you wrote a column about um, about Bridgeport and some kind of revelation that you perceived going on there. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Hearst Connecticut newspaper's great investigative reporter, uh, Bill Cummings, uh, wrote a story, which I guess was a, really a series of interviews with uh, people in authority in Bridgeport. And uh, he got a bunch of them to acknowledge that, you know, our... Our, our, our social programs and uh, our law enforcement emphasis is not is not working. The murder rate in the in the cities, uh, including Bridgeport, uh, just you know keeps going on if it's not getting getting worse. And uh, he even got a state senator, uh, Margaret Moore from uh, Bridgeport, to uh, say that uh, she was shocked by the uh, the murder data and that. Uh, she said, it seems like we've not learned anything, uh, and our values have not improved. And uh, she she meant that there had really been no general recognition that, uh, you know, these social programs are not working. Uh, he got another uh, a worthy in Bridgeport, the uh, the head of the NAACP, and uh, 
Bridgeport to wring his hands about what he called programs, 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 uh, but he didn't really think the programs were uh, were reaching the uh, the kids. Uh, you know, most of the murders in the cities, uh, the Hearst report said, are uh, you know black boys and young men between you know in their teens to thirty years uh, old or so, or in their thirties and. You know, this hasn't changed for, you know, as long as anybody can remember. And yet nobody takes note of this, that, you know, what we what we do is a matter of social policy in Connecticut uh, doesn't work. I, I would fault the story for one thing. It, it never mentioned the word uh, words parents or, or fathers. But nevertheless, I thought it was remarkable for an acknowledgement that hey you know what we what we're doing for social and urban urban policy is not working in Connecticut. You know what's interesting to me Chris about this is it doesn't surprise me that the policy doesn't work because I think that's a mischaracterization. It works for the purposes it was intended to achieve. It doesn't work on the perceived intentions that is to change outcomes for voters for citizens it, it doesn't do that but i don't think it's intended to how would it make life better to have all the crazy social programs in place that they have in place what it does is it it wins elections and that's the purpose of all government policy as far as i can tell is to win elections for the people who claim responsibility for the programs yeah it's it's like this with a lot of government that uh uh, you lose track of your nominal objective, and your actual objective uh, becomes simply to maintain the organization that you've put together in the name of, of pursuing the nominal objective that everybody's forgotten about. So you know, we get a lot more government employees and a lot more, you know, nonprofit organizations and a lot more people dependent on the government yes. payroll. Yes. Uh, and that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, you build up a constituency uh uh, that's supposedly uh, solving the problem that's never solved, and you can never do anything about it because now you've got this this interest group that's just you know so dependent on, well, on government spending on something that doesn't work. Yeah, not just an interest group, but actually interest groups that you just described that are all woven together by this policy that creates bad results. They all fight to make sure the bad result policy continues forever, and the proof of it is. All you would need is one Democrat in the middle of that swirl of Democrats to be doing the obvious thing, which is to be running around saying, hey, guess what? Programs aren't working. Let's shut them down and start over. Well, Senator Moore, you know, pretty much said that in uh, in the her story. Uh, you know, maybe it'll get her uh, get her in trouble. I mean, she has uh, challenged the uh, Bridgeport establishment before when she she ran for mayor uh, a couple of years ago. Um and of course, lost them in an absentee ballot scandal, scandal which you'd only, yes. you'd only uh, expect down there. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, my my problem is, Todd, I've become a bitter old crank. You know, the probably the first you know conference I went to as a young reporter 50 years ago was uh, something in Hartford, West Hartford, about the problem of the concentration of poverty and uh, racial segregation in the cities and what are we going to do about it and uh you know this this is the big thinkers and i i was impressed to you know be able to attend and here we are 50 years you know after and nothing has changed you know the cities are still overwhelmingly minority and the the poverty is worse the crime is worse and and yet we have these you know these huge you know policy programs that just keep consuming money uh and and not accomplishing anything and nobody audits them yeah, but how was the conference? 
<laughs> well, I'm sure it made a lot of people feel important. Uh, but it, <laughs> there it you go. Feel, well, I, I just feel bitter about it today because, you know, 50 years have been a sham. You know, I was listening to the news this morning about um, Florida, and I think they, they upped the death toll to 80 maybe this morning, or maybe maybe it was 42, and they said it was expected to go to 80. But either way, I was thinking about how they've declared this to be the worst thing that's ever happened in the state of Florida. And I thought, wow, the worst thing that ever, has ever happened in the state of Florida, and they're saying maybe 80 people died. And that just seems like a stunning achievement to me that we should be throwing all kinds of uh, parties and, and launching all kinds of studies to see how that was achieved. I mean, really, it's a wonder that you can have areas wiped out by a storm, devastated the way they were and have so few people who were killed. And then the only story I could see in the media about was was about how one county they thought didn't didn't announce a mandatory evacuation soon enough. And if only they had announced one sooner that there wouldn't have been so many deaths. And I'm going, but there were hardly any deaths anyway. How about how about congratulating the people involved here? It just made me feel like this whole we don't have cause and effect in these systems anymore. The the reporting system is doing articles to hurt DeSantis. It's all politically driven, it seems to me, rather than fact driven. Well, you know, Floridians uh, know the uh, the climate risk they they take uh, down there, and you know, if they were here in Connecticut. Uh, you know, they may get uh, shot as they sat in their living room watching TV, as the lady in Hamden did the uh, the other day. This, you know, you put your money down, you takes your choice. Yes, uh, problems do happen in life. That's why I was I was so impressed with uh, how well Florida's handled this. It's time for a little expose on that. Chris Powell, thank you, sir. Thank you, Todd. Always good to talk with you. Chris Powell from the Journal Enquirer. Just in awe he is of uh, of what goes on in those cities and you can't blame him for that 8605229842 so today is october 3rd did you realize this it's october 3rd already it is october 3rd already that to me that rings different from october 1st it means already that october is uh, making great strides towards reaching november and the next thing you know, we'll be getting together with family for Turkey, which isn't a bad thing that day. But, the you know, the year goes by, time goes by, and it keeps picking up speed. Let's get some rants going here. That's what I want. Yes, Todd. This is Eleanor for Essex. I heard my name. Is that you, Joey? That's not you? Sounds like you. Yes, Todd. This is Eleanor for Essex. I heard my name. Yes, I am the light, and I hope it shines upon this country forever. Conservatism, it's been in my blood since I was born. <laughs> and I just, I just love everything you do. Thank you. Well, that was the first part I believed. Thank you for that call. Appreciate it. Who was that? I don't know. Hey, Todd. Good afternoon. It's Smitty from Plainville. Smitty. The anti-fossil fuel folks. They don't even give a thought of 
how are we going to make the 6,000 products that we use every day for the most part? How are we going to make it without fossil fuel? Well, you can't. people have no inkling of what's going on in life. All they want to do is get rid of fossil fuel, but yet they have no substitute. They just have no idea what's going on. Thank you, Todd. Have a good afternoon. I don't know if they care what's going on. They just care about the cons they run, I think. The, the you know, the I agree with you that that the climate change scam is is one of their best capers ever. I mean, it's mind-boggling what they have uh accomplished with this. And even though I don't I don't think most people think that we're actually going to all be driving electric cars or believe that California is going to stop permitting the sale of gas engines in a few years or that Ford and GM are going to stop the production. I think all that is virtue signaling because what I think what the key players do realize now is that you can, you don't have the right to your own ideas anymore. You have to do what they order you to do or you are risking your livelihood. That's what I think is going on. Well, Todd, I have a new favorite headline in a newspaper yesterday, Sunday's Current, at front page, at the top, fact check. Who's telling the truth? And it's an article about campaign ads between Stefanowski and Lamont. And, and I could care less about the article. What I do care about is the hypocrisy, the irony. This paper, this rag has been providing for decades misinformation, lies, propaganda, self-serving narratives and agendas. Just how stupid is the editor? Front page, fact check. Who's telling the truth? Yeah, it was a pretty funny story, huh? It turned out nobody is or everybody is. I couldn't quite tell. Didn't get to any facts, though, I don't think. Did it? As time goes on in the campaign, we will hear a familiar refrain. The press will inquire, who's the biggest liar? Ah, It's the other guy, each will explain. (laughs) Well, that's true. That is true. Hey, Todd, the news over the weekend, Thursday and Friday, they're all happy. Consumer spending went up in August. We're not in a recession. Now, Saturday and Sunday, inflation was the highest in August it's ever been. That's why consumer spending was so high, because the prices were so high. You people are so screwed up. The news is so fake. It's not even funny. Goodbye. That is true. Two. Another truism. The news is so fake, it's not even funny. Hey, Todd, this is Jerry from North. Jerry! I heard that guy, uh, blah, 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 from uh, Victor Victoria. Yes, Victor. He must be a Democrat Democrat. socialist you know his comments are like a full fart in the wind goodbye (laughs) jerry i didn't know you get discouraged i thought jerry's always upbeat and happy come on man you gotta see the the good in everything even when it's not there 
You just have to keep moving forward with a positive attitude because good things are coming. That's what I believe. I do. I, I do believe that about all this, no matter how dire it is. And it is dire, but I think that it's going to lead to something good. Rant line number 860-751-4698. More rants coming up in the next hour. Also, Jim Watkins will be here in 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes, something like that, to talk about Florida and life there. And we're going to Mark Christopher right now. We're going to knock on that door and open up, see if we can pry open the door to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center for a little information. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.